The advice in this podcast is general in nature and does not constitute medical advice. Always consult your doctor if you are concerned about your child's health. We recommend always following the safe sleep guidelines. In the spirit of reconciliation, Dr. Fallon and Dr. Law acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and the continuation of cultural, spiritual and educational practices of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. They pay respects to their elders past and present and recognise that sovereignty was never ceded. When my children were small, I had so many questions about their sleep, their settling, all the different sort of elements of parenting um, can feel so overwhelming at times. And I would often go to my health nurse to ask those questions. And I had that one reputable source of advice. And what we aim to do both in the clinic and in Sonpal is answer parents' questions. So they have one reputable source of advice for all things sleep and settling. Um, and that's what we're going to do today. We've had so many of our wonderful Sombal families write into us with really fantastic questions that every parent, I think, will want to know the answer to. So welcome back to Brand New Little People. Laura, I think we're up to episode 29. Is yes. it 29? I think Something we might even like be that. 30 if we count the bonus episode as a whole episode. Oh, that's true. Yeah, let, let's definitely count that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's been another fantastic week and I'm really excited to answer some of these brilliant questions that parents have sent in and welcome to all of our new Sombal members as well. It's been another huge week with so many people um, joining us. Um, but yeah, Laura, let's kick it off. Let's start with a few questions sent in by families. Yeah. So Kim wrote in uh, to the podcast the other week um, about her toddler and we advised that it was time to drop the toddler's nap. She now writes to say, we dropped my toddler's day nap and initially saw great results. He was sleeping around 11 to 12 hours straight overnight. However, over the last couple of weeks, he started early rising again at 4.30 or 5am, which means he's only getting about nine hours. He wakes up crying and we've tried different ways to try and calm, help him to go back to sleep, but nothing works. He's then tired and grumpy all day and struggles to get to bed without falling asleep. I feel we have a pretty good sleep environment set up. What's the best way to respond when he wakes so early? What else can we try? Google has, Google, sorry, has suggested being overtired can cause early wakes. Is there any truth to this? So there's a few questions there, Fallon. Over to you. Oh, Kim, it's really hard when you're dropping that day nap. Often there is a couple of weeks where things are just really up and down and toddlers can do all sorts of odd things that we don't really expect them to do. Um, with those early wake-ups, you know, it's really interesting that you say he was doing 11 to 12 hours overnight and having that longer sleep in. What that really tells us is that he can sleep in longer, um, but something is stopping him from wanting to resettle. We know he's definitely tired enough to, to resettle and get a bit more sleep before morning, um, and his mood would be a whole lot better <laughs> during the daytime if he did. So what I'd be thinking about is um, definitely – you know, if he wakes early, keeping that bedroom really, really dark, keeping things very, very calm and very quiet, even if he is absolutely wide awake, um, keep things really dark and quiet until his usual wake up time. And then that's when I'd be, you know, turning on lights, making lots of noise. That's just going to reinforce to his circadian rhythm that 4.30 or 5am is just not the time that we're supposed mm -hmm. to be getting up. Um, the most common 
thing that's causing early wake-ups is that they expect that something something might happen that they want to have happen. So mm. I'd definitely be thinking about what approach you're using to resettle him and keeping it incredibly consistent. Because if toddlers realise that at, you know, 4.35 a.m., um, if they call out, mum might come in or dad might come in, there could be cuddles, there could be a drink offered or, um, you know, some toddlers are allowed to co-sleep from that time mm. or... You know, if there's a whole range of things that might happen, even though you might be just trying to get him back <laughs> to sleep, that variability in what you're doing might be enough to motivate him to wake up um, and to, um, you know, want to, to call out and kind of get you in there. So I'd be looking at keeping it really, really super consistent. Even if he does have a really, really early wake up, I'd be working really hard to keep him up until his usual bedtime because that's just going to help his circadian mm. rhythm fall into a really um, a really predictable groove. And mm. that, that drive to achieve his unique sleep needs is incredibly strong. So even if he has a few nights where he's only getting about nine hours, um, pretty quickly his circadian rhythm is going to kind of realise and think, oh, okay, when I'm in bed, I really have to sleep mm-hmm. in because there's just not that opportunity to play catch up mm-hmm. with, you know, a longer or a sneaky day nap or an earlier bedtime. Um, is that what you would say too, Laura? Yeah, I would also say, I can't quite remember how old Kim's toddler is, um, that what can be really helpful is to consider using some kind of sleep training clock, um, which can be helpful for older toddlers. Mm. Um, so um, it really ties into what you were just talking about around what's motivating um, the toddler to wake early. Um, and so if they think they might be able to co-sleep with you or have a early morning snack or a drink of milk or whatever it is, um, that's a motivating factor for them to wake. If we think about um, using a, a training clock with a reward system, that can also motivate toddlers to roll over and go back to sleep. When they wake early in the morning, the training clock's face hasn't yet turned into the yellow or the sun hasn't come up on the clock face um so they can see it's not time to wake up um and if they stay in bed until the sun does come up then they might get a reward a sticker or a little immediate toy or something um for Mm. saying you're well done for staying in bed um uh, for a bit longer yeah yeah i think that's a really really good idea Um, And also Kim asked about, you know, Google has suggested being overtired can cause early wake-ups. Is there any truth to this? Um, We're always watching the scientific literature. And for starters, there's no science that really defines what overtired actually even is. So it's a pretty hard thing to actually measure. Um, But there certainly isn't any evidence that being overtired can cause early wake-ups. And I often think about this. For toddlers, it's probably pretty similar to children and adults as well. If you have a really, really long, exhausting day, you don't go to bed thinking, oh, no, I'm going to wake up at 4 a.m. unable to go back to sleep. (laughs) You'll have no problem at all getting back to sleep. Um, It's really just, I think in this case, got more to do with that toddler seeking something out Mm. or wanting to know what will happen if I wake up at this time. Um, so, yeah, keep that one in mind. Um, Laura, um, we also had Diana who wrote in to ask, um, she says, my husband prefers to take each day as it comes and not being, he doesn't like to be bound by any kind of deadlines, mm. which often results in late bedtimes or late wake times on the days when he's looking after our 15-month-old daughter. 
He looks after her about 20% of the time. Um, and by late, I mean outside of the half hour window I consider an appropriate bed or wake time. She says naps can vary by an hour or even more. She says tricky settles aren't uncommon, maybe two to three times a week or so, but possibly because we misjudge how tired she is. Other than the tricky settles, our daughter is happy, mostly sleeps through the night and seems very resilient to the inconsistency. Mm. But I'd love to know your thoughts on how important or not consistency is for little ones. Mm. Good question, Diana. Um, I guess probably what you hear a lot um, if you're a regular listener to this podcast is that um, there's a wide range of variability from child to child. Um, some babies and toddlers absolutely thrive on um, militant um, consistency, the exact same bedtime, the exact same wake up. Um, and if those times were to be um, out by an hour, they're going to be absolutely thrown. However, there are other children who are more like the... Um, the dandelions of sleep as opposed to the orchids of sleep and it sounds like diana your daughter is probably one of those she's mostly happy sleeps through the night and is resilient to the inconsistency um so in which case um it's fine for her to have um a daily schedule that's a little bit more flexible than um, other children might have what I'd suggest is that it will come down to you and your husband talking to each other about what's going to work best for your family. If you are finding that it's um, a bit harder um, for you when you have your daughter the majority of the time, um, it's harder for you because those days where she's takes a little bit longer to settle fall on your days, um, then it would be worth um, you and your partner talking about um, having some kind of compromise um, because really we just want to do what's best for you as a family unit. Um, and if that means that your husband comes on board um, a little bit more um, so that it's easier for you on the days that you're looking after your daughter, then that's um, that would be a wise thing to do. Did you have anything else to add, Fallon? No, no, I think that just about covers it. Yeah, it's definitely going to depend on the individual child. And I think if you're really struggling with a partner who's being really inconsistent, crack the whip. <laughs> you know, you've, you've got to work together as a team. So it's got to work for both of you. Mm. Um, so, yeah, if you're having troubles with it, have a chat about it. Yeah. Um, Diana has another question. She says, my daughter clearly finds it hard separating from me during the day, even when I'm in the same room as her she'll often protest cry if she's taken away from me for a hug with dad as such we've always had a parent stay in the room with her until she falls asleep in her cot lately she's getting upset if her dad settles her escalating crying and getting worked up i tend to go in if it's been 20 minutes or more should he persist or if she's having a tough time falling asleep without me there should i go into her for example after a certain amount of time or will this reinforce that if she cries, mum will go into her eventually? What do you think, Fallon? Mm, it's a fantastic question, Diana, and I think a lot of parents really struggle with this. And I would say it will come down a little bit to your priorities. I mean, there's absolutely nothing wrong with you going in there and settling her if that's just works for you. You know, your partner could practice, you know, having a go at doing the settle um, for yeah, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever works for you. And then you could go in and finish the settle. 
But if you need your partner to be able to settle her, um, you know, if you're going to be away for work or something like that, um, you might want to really prioritize helping her make that adjustment, in which case it would be a good idea for your partner to persist with the settles. Mm-hmm. Um just so that your daughter realizes it's okay if dad settles me um you know he means business so we're not going to be chopping and changing Mm because again we talk about this a lot too if there's inconsistency in what happens often that can kind of reinforce more of the behavior that we're actually looking to change Mm. um so i'd have a think if you're really really determined and you want her to settle well for both of you then once dad starts to settle dad finishes the settle Mm -hmm. um if it doesn't really matter too much um at this point in time then you know you might share it or just do some practice practice goes and you know it's okay to to switch places after 20 minutes or so mm-hmm. um what would you say laura this is that sort of the advice you'd give yeah yeah that would be what i would suggest um if you do find that when um your husband is practicing the settling um and say you've been doing it for a couple of weeks and giving it 20 minutes each time and then you are going in um diana to take over um and it's just not really easing at all then I would think about well now perhaps this is reinforcing that bedtime behavior um and if it's really Mm. bothering you then just say well we've given a red hot go of just seeing if we go gently gently and your husband just tries for 20 minutes and then you take over but now it's been going on for longer than suits your family and at that point I would say either you do it from the start if that suits your family or um, like you were saying, Fallon, if it's important that your husband does it, that he then has a few days where he does it from start to finish. And Diana, you go for a walk or you <laughs> yeah. go out with some friends yep. or you do something you do not. You're just not in the house. So it's just not an option for you to go mm. in. Um, and, and often if the toddler mm. knows that you're just not home and not available, they'll settle down much, much faster, too. So yeah. that can also be really helpful. Yeah. Um, Lafisa also wrote in, she said, I joined Sunbell for babies zero to three months when my little one was three months old. It helped a lot with day naps. And at night I wanted to continue feeding her to sleep because it was working well for us at the time. Mm-hmm. So that all sounds fantastic. Um, she says, now my baby is five and a half months old and everything seems to have gone backwards. She's rolling onto her belly as soon as I put her down in the cot for her naps. I've tried leaving her this way and monitored her through the, the camera. Mm-hmm. Um, but she doesn't fall asleep and just gets frustrated and starts crying. If I roll her back onto her back, she just rolls over onto her belly within a couple of minutes. Um, And this goes on and on and on until I eventually give up and feed her to sleep for all of her naps. Mm. Um, She says, I know this is now creating a sleep association for her naps. And I'm just wondering if I were to buy the six-month Sunbell program, I think she means the four- to 12-month program, um, would there be an answer to this issue? Um, so yeah, definitely the program for older babies, the four to 12 month olds, there's lots of strategies for tackling this type of thing. Um, she says she now also wakes up every one to two hours overnight and immediately rolls onto her belly and stays this way. Um, she says, I'm exhausted from feeding and holding her to sleep and I would love some suggestions. Oh, that sounds really challenging, Lafisa. Mm. Laura, what would you say? Yeah, yes, I agree. Lafisa, you must be shattered. The first thing I would suggest is that you have a look at her individual sleep needs. Um, Whenever a baby is waking more frequently overnight than they used to, um, I just want to be sure that sleep needs haven't dropped. In this first few months, sleep needs can drop 
um, quite dramatically, depending on your baby's starting point. For example, if when she was three months old, she had a 17-hour sleep need for 24 hours, it's very unlikely that at five and a half months, she would still have such a high sleep need. Um, so I'd be double-checking that. Um, and yeah, secondly, it's a really frustrating point where your baby can roll one way and not the other. So you're doing the right thing to roll um, your baby onto her back um, because if she can't roll, she can't do that independently. We don't want her to get into a situation where she's her airways are compromised. Um, uh, during the day, you'd be practicing helping her roll both ways and there's lots of TikToks <laughs> um, and uh, information from um, OTs, physios and maternal and child health nurses on, available online that you could look at to see um, how to um, support that development in your baby um, until she can roll both ways. You're going to have to roll her, keep rolling her onto her back um, in her cot. Mm. Um, and yes, in terms of the feeding her back to sleep, um, it from you know after four months of age those sleep associations can become um, start to become entrenched um, and if your baby is um, developing a strong sleep association with feeding and is going to sleep whilst feeding during the day naps and overnight then it's going to begin to uh, become increasingly difficult for her to be able to link her sleep cycles independently so if you were to purchase the Sombell program for four to 12 months old um, there are um, approaches that you can um, read through and decide what suits you um, and your baby um, to help her learn how to go to sleep again without relying on feeding Mm. Yeah, and I would say for now, one of the, um, you know, I've had a lot of parents in the clinic actually facing this exact problem lately with their baby just constantly rolling on their belly. Um, one of the things we often say is to not immediately roll them back. Like we definitely won't want them falling asleep on their belly. But what I mean is you might wait one minute or two minutes when they're on their belly before mm. you roll them back once and then wait again. So the idea of this is if you immediately roll them back, then they don't really realize that rolling on their belly is, is a problem. Whereas if they roll on their belly and they kind of have to wait a minute or two, often they feel really frustrated and kind of cranky mm. about it because they don't like that they're there. Um, if they have to wait one or two minutes before you roll them back, they're starting to think, oh, rolling over isn't actually very fun. Yes. <laughs> okay? Often it's <laughs> actually point. really frustrating. Whereas if you immediately roll them back, then <laughs> then they just think, well, great, let's just keep rolling around all over the place. Yes. There's nothing motivating them to stop the rolling. So often I say to families, wait one or two minutes, roll them back. And yeah, at first you're going to be doing it a lot yes. and you're going to have some really tricky settles. But often if you stick to doing that, after two or maybe three days, they've realized actually rolling rounds are not very fun and they just stop doing it because they don't like having to wait that minute or two before they rolled back mm. again. Um, so you could definitely try that. I find that's pretty um, helpful for a lot of families. It's just really tricky when they start to roll, but it won't be tricky forever. And if you sort of wait those couple of minutes and keep rolling them back, um, often that means then you're not introducing things like feeding or, or holding to sleep, if that's what you've been working away from. Um, so that could give you something to try, Lafisa. Definitely the four to 12 month program is packed full of strategies um, that you could use. So um, if you're really struggling, then that could be something to consider as well. Yeah, oh, jo I'm just going to jump in quickly there, Fallon, to say also make sure that you've unswaddled your baby. 
Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Because as soon as they're showing signs of rolling, then they need to be unswaddled. So um, I'm sure, Lafisa, since you've mm. done the 0 to three month program, you've seen um, the steps around um, weaning your baby off the swaddle. Um, but I just wanted to put it out there for any other families who are listening uh, who might not have done that yet. Um, your baby is definitely not going to be able to get from their <laughs> tummy or back onto their back if they're swaddled and don't have access to their arms. Yeah. And, and it's a, and yep. it's a safety issue too as well, of course. Mm. Um, all right. So um, I have another question here, um, Fallon, from May. Um, and May would like to know, my son is six weeks old and will only nap on my chest. Any attempts to move him horizontal, even in my arms, results in him crying immediately and does not stop even with the new sleep cues I've implemented. He is quite a gassy baby and will sometimes let out a burp if I pick him up and pat him when he cries, even after burping him for ages after every feed. As a first-time mum, I'm unsure whether his crying is just him fussing or genuine discomfort from the gas in which case, whether he will be able to cot settle despite it. What are your thoughts, Fallon? Yeah, look, six weeks old, you're right in the middle of that peaking crying and fussiness, May. So it's it's an absolute, you know, minefield, like trying to figure out is it crying because there's a cause or not. So definitely working through the medical factors checklist in Sunbell is a really mm. good idea. It will help you rule some things out. Um, so definitely a lot of parents will say, oh, I don't know, is it gas? Because, you know, I'm burping my baby for ages after they have a feed and yet they're still crying. In that case, I would say it's probably not gas. Mm. Um, also, a lot of cultures don't burp their babies at all and they think we're really weird for doing it. So <laughs> whether you burp your baby or not, there's no evidence it'll actually reduce how fussy they are. Mm which I think blows the minds yes. of many parents because we are definitely um, told burp the baby, burp the baby. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, look, I mean, you can get, try giving them a bit of a burp after a feed, but don't stress too much if they won't. Um, you know, they can burp when they're lying down as well. Um, so, look, I would say it's so hard when they don't like to be moved horizontal, but it's really one of the key things for safe sleep as well. Mm. They really have to be able to lie down to fall asleep. Um, it's good for you know having them safe in their cot, but also I think it saves parents' sanity as mm -hmm. well because you can't be holding them upright all the time. Mm -hmm. um, my suggestion would be to practice him sleeping horizontally in your arms as much as you possibly can. Um, it, it's going to be really tricky at first, but what we want you to remember is that he's in your arms, he's safe, he's loved, he's literally got your support right there, mm -hmm. you know, your arms are wrapped around him. Um, any crying is not going to be that he's, you know, frightened or worried mm -hmm. about something. It's just that he has a preference for, for sleeping while he's upright. But it's really important that he starts to get used to and not feel so uncomfortable with lying down mm -hmm. more flat. So I would just, look, I don't think you need to be too hard on yourself. I'm not saying you should, um, you know, persist for every single settle mm -hmm. to have him lying flat in your arms. But I would just, when you feel up to it and capable of it, try to persist with settling him lying horizontal in your arms as often as you can. Um, it might take a week or so for him to really start to get used to it and not be upset by it. Um, once he's managing to do that and he's not upset, that's when you've got the option of trying to start some cot settling if you want to. Mm -hmm. You could put him down in his cot. You can still keep your arm kind of around him while he's 
he's lying in his cot um, if you reach through the side and that can kind of be a really um, nice transition into sleeping and falling asleep on that independent um, sleep surface as well. Mm. Um, so May, yeah, you're absolutely in the trenches right now. It does definitely get easier over the next few weeks um, and just practice that horizontal settling um, as often as you can. Do you have anything to add to that, Laura? No, I think you've covered it all. Good luck, May. Um, it it does get better, um, uh, yeah. but it, it is very hard because you'll be doing so many <laughs> naps with a baby who's six weeks old um, that it will feel like it's never ending. But as with everything, it is um, and yeah, follow Fallon's advice. Um, and soon this will be a distant memory. Okay. What other questions do we have, Fallon? Yeah, we've got Kimberly who says, my baby is officially six months old and currently all over the place with sleep. Looking at her mm. trends for sleep, she tends to have about two to three hours of sleep during the day and about nine to 10 hours of sleep overnight. She says, I'm presuming she has low sleep needs, which is fine. And I've just been going with the flow and following awake windows and sleep cues for her sleep. I'm just wondering mostly what's the best way to manage her night sleep. She's currently waking three to five times overnight and wakes up Mm -hmm. to start the day anywhere between 5 to 7 a.m. no matter what I try. Should I try to extend her awake hours to get her a later bedtime to better suit her sleep needs? Or do you have any other pointers? Laura, when I read this, the first thing I thought was that we need a bit of a a more accurate reading on how much sleep she's averaging to really start to build out that daily rhythm. Is that what you'd think? Yeah, because it could be as low as 11 hours or as high as 13 hours based on the parameters that Kimberly has given us. So it would be really good to know actually what is it, what is the average. Um, And also when um, I read that Kimberly's baby is waking anywhere between 5 and 7 a.m. in the morning, that also made, gave me a clue um, to understand what might be happening. Um, If um, your baby Kimberly does have such a variable wake up time in the morning, it can be really quite tricky then for her to fall into a predictable daily rhythm. Um, Mm. So I would be, once you've got a good idea of what um, her sleep needs are on average, then I'd be picking a wake up time in the morning that you stick to come what may. Um, so that, um, you know, for at least a couple of weeks, it might be that it's the 7am is the time that you um, are going to be waking her in the morning, or perhaps it's 6.30. And um, when you wake your baby, um, or get your baby up at that time every day, then you'd be wanting to use the, um, you know, bright light movement, uh, energetic game in the morning to help reset her body clock um, each 24 hours. Um, Mm. Yeah, I'm just having a little look now to see what else there is there in the question. Yeah, um, look, I would say once hmm. she sort of finds that average, so let's just say the average maybe is, say, 12 hours of sleep per 24 hours, then check in in the Sunbell program. Um, there's a great lesson. It's one of the ones you wrote, I think, Laura, where it kind of gives lots oh, of examples. Oh, bound to be great, Helen. <laughs> course it's genius but it um it kind of gives you examples of like if your baby needs 12 hours then this could be a daily rhythm that might work for them and it just means that by you know really working up a schedule based on whatever that average is for your baby Kimberly um you know so it might be 12 hours 13 hours whatever it is it's going to mean that at night time you're going to be really confident that your baby's sleep pressure is high enough that they should be able to resettle more easily so then if you're Mm. you know working on a settling strategy 
um, you're much more likely to have success if that nighttime sleep pressure um, is higher. So yeah, I would start by looking at what exactly is that average sleep duration, averaged across around about a week, um, mm-hmm. and then look through some of those schedules to get a bit of a sense of, of some patterns that you might like to try in terms of, of her naps. Um, and yeah, if, if her sleep needs are a bit lower, it might be that she does need a bit of a later bedtime and that should really feed into helping um, reduce those nighttime wake-ups. Yeah, and if she does have a lower sleep need, then also the amount of time that she can tolerate being awake during the day between her naps is going to be much um, greater than for typical, you know, that hypothetical mm. typical baby that we never see. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so at six months, Kimberly, your baby might be able to stay awake for four and a half or even five hours before bedtime, for example, um, depending on what her sleep needs are. Um, but as a general rule, the amount of time babies can stay awake for across the day is normally it's a little bit lower in the morning compared to later on in the afternoon but again there is a wide range of normal um but um yep going through that chapter and um and getting a really good idea of what her sleep needs are is going to help you um get that sleep pressure nice and high at bedtime and as you say fallon it's going to then hopefully reduce those overnight wakes that Mm. um, you're experiencing yeah Uh, Okay, now Geraldine wrote in to ask for advice on how to find her baby's unique sleep needs. So this actually um, feeds in quite well to what we were just talking about there with Kimberly. Mm. So Geraldine says she's been told to aim for three hours and 20 minutes total day sleep by two different sleep consultants. And she gives a couple of example daily schedules that she's tried, but says they both result on early mornings. She otherwise sleeps well overnight, waking for one bottle. And it sounds like Geraldine has a lovely sleep environment um, set up um, for her baby. Um, She wants to know how to set up the day naps to suit her unique sleep needs. What yes. do you say, Helen? So Geraldine, definitely work through the chapter that's all about unique sleep needs. So you're going to start by filling in your sleep diary for, I'd say a week's a good amount of data um, and really working out what is your baby's average daily sleep duration, because that's going to really give you a clue about how much day sleep they can realistically have. Um, yep, there's a lot of sleep consultants out there giving advice like your baby needs this specific amount of sleep, but it's usually not based on what your baby's actual sleep requirements are. It's usually based on what a baby that age is on average doing which I think is usually kind of unhelpful if they're not fitting neatly you know into that kind of pattern Um, so rather than sort of going for this three hours and 20 minutes which we don't know where that advice has come from or what it's based on definitely look at your baby's unique sleep needs if for example they're a low sleep needs baby and only need you know 11 hours of sleep per 24 hours if they have three and a half hours of that in the daytime <laughs> that's gonna leave them with what is it like seven and a half hours oh, yeah God, I'm terrible at doing yeah, maths yeah. on the fly no yeah, so that they're gonna need overnight <laughs> yeah, yeah so seven and a half hours at night is going to be a very very short night so that's why we say definitely work out your baby's unique sleep needs um look at that average then look through that lesson i was talking about a moment ago which should suggest different schedules that you could try um based around your baby's um sleep needs so it sounds like things are actually going reasonably well i mean she's only you know waking once overnight um Mm. you know things are going pretty well but the early rising is the problem so odds are if we trim down that day sleep a little bit your baby's probably going to add that to their night and have that longer sleep in 
Yeah, um, and listen, I just wanted to jump in there, um, Fallon, to say that often parents do come to um, Sombell or the um, or to see us in our clinics, having been to sleep school, spoken to other sleep consultants, downloaded various age-based schedules, um, and um, none of those things have worked, which is why they've come to us. And then when they are on reading the advice in Sombell um, or listening to our advice in clinic can be a little bit startled because what we say can um, be quite different to what they've previously been told. Um, and it does then take a lot of confidence in the parents to um, put aside what they've previously been told and to take on board the evidence-based advice that we give. And I'm wondering a little bit if this might be the case for Geraldine. Um, what I would suggest is that, and what I say to parents in clinic, is that the reason that they are sitting there on the couch opposite me in the clinic is the advice that they have previously been given is not working for their baby. And therefore, it is absolutely appropriate to put that advice to one side yeah. and to try something different. And then that's when we see transformative life-changing Mm. Um, improvements in baby's sleep, isn't it, Alan? Yeah, absolutely. I think that is such a, a massive point of difference with what we do. I feel like a lot of other people working in the baby and toddler sleep space start from a position of all babies are roughly the same <laughs> and this is what's <laughs> likely to work for most babies. And look, sometimes it's not half bad advice. There's some good stuff in yeah. there but it leaves a lot of parents in the dust because their babies don't fit with that. Whereas we always start from a position of every baby's completely different. How are we going to figure out what this baby needs? And that's the same, whether it's in the clinic or in Sombell, we're always saying like, look at the baby in front of you. Here's how you're going to figure out what your baby needs. And then that means you don't have to go and do, you know, 27 different programs and you know, <laughs> two sleep schools and three consultants and all that stuff all of that nonsense I would so much <laughs> rather parents get the right advice from the beginning which means looking at yes. their baby and learning skills that mean they've they're able to cater to their baby's sleep needs now but you know in the in the years going forward as well um rather than yeah having to try a million different things just getting it right the first time anyway I've totally gone off track <laughs> Laura we have <laughs> one sorry. last question um from Tara who wrote in to say that she joined Sunbell when her four-month-old was co-sleeping crying a lot and could only fall asleep while feeding after working through Sunbell with her baby um her baby is now settling in her cot most of the time which is absolutely fabulous well done mm. Tara that's a, such a big transition to make and you've just you've done really really well um tara asks at night she wakes every two to three hours and even once we resettle her she still wake, wakes after 10 or 15 minutes and needs resettling again we end up so exhausted that we feed her back to sleep again mm. i'm trying to feed her less overnight but she cries a lot any advice would be really helpful oh i know what she needs to do yeah, I just thought this is a sleep pressure problem, <laughs> hands down. Yeah. It's signature sleep pressure problem. Yeah. What would you suggest that Tara does, Laura? Um, I would suggest that Tara just, again, just has a little look at that, uh, what the, her baby's current sleep needs are. Um, mm. We know that she can um, settle herself. She's had lots of practice doing it. She um, settles in her cot most of the time. Well done, Tara. That's no mean feat to have um, got her to that point. 
Um, so I suspect she's running out of sleep pressure or her sleep pressure is not quite high enough at the start of the night for her to be able to maintain her sleep consistently all night. So I would be um, looking at um, how the sleep is distributed across the day and the night. Perhaps um, she's four months old. Um, is she four months? No, she was four months when um, she joined Sonbel. It may be that it, perhaps she's having three naps a day and we need to drop a nap. Mm. Um, or we need to move bedtime a little bit later or wake up a little bit earlier. Um, And, you know, with the timing being right, then it's quite likely that um, it's not going to take quite so long um, for her to resettle overnight. You might just be a few days away from having that sleep pressure high enough at night time for her to sleep much better. I think a really key thing for parents to keep in mind is if your baby knows how to settle themselves off to sleep in their cot, yet they're waking up a lot at night or they're falling back asleep and then waking up quickly again, the only reason that they're going to be, you know, provided they're not unwell, um, the only reason they're going to be that wakeful is because sleep pressure is low. So they know how to settle in their cot. Why aren't they doing mm. it? You know, it's the middle mm. of the night. We've got the perfect sleep environment. If they're just <laughs> not settling themselves <laughs> off to sleep, it's almost always a sleep pressure issue. So definitely look at what our average sleep is, work on a daily schedule that's going to help increase that nighttime sleep pressure. Um, and things should hopefully come together really quickly. And I'd say, Tara, you've made amazing progress and you're well on your way. So well done. I also just want to thank all the parents who wrote in with questions, had such beautiful feedback on Sonbel, and we haven't had time to go into that at all today, but they all had such lovely things to say. And I just want to say that that feedback means so much to to me and to Laura as well. Um, It really keeps us going and keeps us motivated, and we're so glad that so many parents take the time to do that. Um, it's just, it doesn't go unnoticed. So I just want to say thank you so much. It really does mean a lot to us. Yeah. Um, if you've had a wonderful time with Sunbell and absolutely loved it and you would like to um, send in a review, please do. If you're the kind of person who would love to do a video review, we would love to receive your video review. Um, we we'll always love to receive those as well. Um, so I guess we better wrap this up, Laura. It's ended up being a long episode and we were so determined it would be a short one. <laughs> we were. We, can't we really do hope. It. Yeah, we. <laughs> I know it's too hard. Um, we loved answering your questions, guys. So if you're a Sunbell member and you, you want to ask a question, please do email those through to us for next week's episode. Have a wonderful week, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. If you need help with your baby or toddler's sleep or settling, you need Sunbell. Sunbell is Australia's first online paediatric sleep clinic program for babies and toddlers aged zero to three years. It contains all the best resources from the sleep clinics at Infant Sleep Australia, so you can rest easy and so can your child. To find out more, click the link in the show notes or visit sombell.infantsleep.com.au.